0: Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk with you on a Thursday morning. Thanks for joining us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. Appreciate all of our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. I want to thank our sponsors at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churnin and Spoon Ice Cream. I mean, it's just good. I don't know. What else can I tell you about that, that place? I feel like after a decade of telling you about Strange Brew Coffee House, if you haven't gotten it at this
2: point, that's your problem. That's a personal problem.
0: It's a very... Uh,
2: between you and Jesus. Wow, okay.
0: I didn't know we were going to bring the Lord into this, but sure. I mean, sure, why not? Well,
2: sometimes it takes the hard lessons. I, I, I don't
0: know where to go with my... I don't, I don't feel like making a segue <laughs> from Jesus to coffee is going to work. I feel like people will get angry. So <laughs> I'll just tell you that Strange Brew Coffee House, two locations to serve you here in Starkville. They're, in, uh, they're on Highway 12, and then they're also on University Drive. And, of course, there's the Brupolo location in Tupelo. Uh, and churn and spoon, just the one location, but what a heavenly location it is. There's 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 We've already
2: talked vaccines and Democrats and Republicans this week. Let's throw religion in. Let's just
0: throw religion in. Might as well. Sure. No. (laughs) Strange Root Coffee House. Great place to get. Catholic? It's got nothing to do with that. College corner. CollegeCornerStore.com. Guys, please get the jump on your holiday shopping. Shop online at CollegeCornerStore.com. You know full well that the MSU fans in your life want new gear, want new cool stuff. They've got it at College Corner. Whatever you're looking for, for yourself, for your home, for your tailgate, for your car, it's available and it's on sale and it's good to go at College Corner and CollegeCornerStore.com. Humble Taco is Starville's newest and best Mexican restaurant, Mexican fare with Mississippi roots, always adding new stuff to the menu. It's just, it's just different. Every other Mexican restaurant in this town, kind of the same, kind of the same. Humble Taco, completely different, unique, and an enjoyable experience. So come by, grab one of their handcrafted margaritas, Grab one of their unique tacos or maybe a burrito or, or maybe, you know, they've got all sorts of options there for every eater, for vegans, for keto friendly. They've got it all. And enjoy yourself at Humble Taco. So if you're looking for lunch here in Starville, Firehouse Subs is one of the best options in town. Steak and cheese, the meatball, the club, they've got it all. And you can skip the line by downloading the Firehouse Subs app, prepay Get in there, get your sandwich, and get out. You know you don't have a lot of time for lunch? Firehouse Subs makes it really, really easy. And this weekend, if you're looking to tailgate, man, a Firehouse Subs party platter is the way to go. Call your local Firehouse Subs and find out what the rates are. They've got great deals, and they're going to make you the hero of your tailgate with Firehouse Subs. So, Robbie, this is a such a tough game for Mississippi State. Huge uh, uh, expectations, Right. And this is a really good Kentucky football team. I've come around on them. Earlier in the season, I thought, you sort of said it, I thought they were a bit of fool's gold. I think this is a good football team. I think that they uh, have a great chance to win this game. I think they have a great chance to win out, to be 11-1. They could finish in the top five or six. They could be one of the top teams in the country outside of the playoffs. And they will do that not winning overly impressively. Which maybe is impressive in and of itself. I don't know. My question is this for today's pod. Does State have a bigger challenge in front of them Saturday night on offense or on defense?
2: I think I'm going to say on offense. Okay, go ahead. Because defensively we know this team can defend the run and we know that Kentucky's going to try to establish the run. I feel safe in saying that Mississippi State should be able to at least limit them in the run game, I, I don't think Kentucky's going to come out here and rush for three hundred yards, two hundred fifty yards, anything like that. But offensively, they want Rodriguez to pick up five, six yards of carry, have the box kind of tighten up, and then hit a big play downfield to to Robinson or whoever else. And the, and you know, Will Levis has the ability to hit those big plays; mm-hmm. he's got the arm to do it. But I think it all revolves around Rodriguez and building that rushing attack to, to draw the defense in so you can hit those big plays. So I, I think that Mississippi State is going to have a good game plan to limit them offensively. Mm-hmm. I think they can score points. I think they can put up yards. But I, I just don't foresee right now them coming in and putting up 450 yards of offense against Mississippi State's defense and and running up and down the field. Right. I, just, I don't think that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It didn't really happen last year, which I know is a different – Defense on right. I mean, offense, but we didn't really see them have a ton of success offensively. It was Mississippi State doing absolutely nothing on offense that kept Kentucky uh, building and their lead. Yeah, so I, I think it's going to be Mississippi State's offense that's going to have the biggest challenge because that defense is coming along. We know that Stoops is a really good defensive coordinator. Uh, I know he's not technically the defense coordinator, but that's his defense. That's his job, yeah. Um, and, you know, they're going to have a good scheme, I feel like, for Mississippi State. It's up for State to protect the football, really, I think. Um, they were moving the football last year. They turned the ball over twice in the red zone yes. when what should have been touchdowns. Yeah. The ball was basically taken away from should have been touchdowns. Um, and if you make those two plays, you, you possibly can win that ball game. It feels strange to say when you lose by three TDs, but – this is a different ball game if you if you make those touchdowns.
0: It really should be a one hundred and eighty from last year to this year. Last year, outside of Alabama, this was easily the most embarrassing loss for Mississippi State. They were completely manhandled, and they sort of gave Kentucky the weapons to do it. Like you mentioned, those turnovers. Um, it just just the gameplay in that was just bad. This was also Will Rogers' first uh, first ever game played in this game yes. against Kentucky. Uh,
2: well, they uh, they threw they threw a pick six, didn't they? The pick six, I don't know if it was a pick six or it was the They, they threw one pick that was run back to like the, the two yard, two yard line. line, yeah. Um, and then they threw an interception in the end zone. Yeah, they threw like six picks in this game. And I they think had, they did throw a pick. They had six. Yeah,
0: Osiris Mitchell catch a touchdown, but it was taken away from him on a. Yes, five. I mean just a lot, a lot went. There was wrong. a pass
2: to Jaden Wiley right before the half. Mm-hmm. If you if you throw a touchdown right there, right before the half, you're in the game. I can't remember what the score was, but it was close. Yeah,
0: I think it have been fourteen to nine.
2: I mean, that this game was so frustrating because we were we were watching it at my You're house, home, yeah. And I remember we said like every time they got to stop, okay, this this is the time it's where they're about to rolling. get it going, and it just never happened. And it was just like it was so frustrating to watch. It was very similar to me th- to the last time they were in Lexington when they went to Lexington with Joe Moorhead. They were undefeated, yeah. And just couldn't do anything on offense.
0: The last two trips to Lexington, really the last three trips to Lexington, have been sort of nightmares for yeah. Mississippi
2: State. The, the second half, and the, especially the fourth quarter, has really been where this this game's tailed. But at home, Mississippi State's been a completely different team in this series. So it just feels like this is setting up on a tee for Mississippi State to get a big win. It, it's right there. Just go take it.
0: I agree with your your main point that offensively is the bigger challenge. Defensively, the challenge is just going to be to sort of do what you've been doing. If you can limit you, – the you, state's limited run games all year. Yeah. But can they avoid giving up big plays in the passing game? Um, Chris Rodriguez, he's probably going to have a decent game. But at the same time, you know, you look back, Spiller didn't have a big game against Mississippi State. LSU couldn't run the football on Mississippi State. They
2: broke off like – A&M broke off like two, two or three big runs. Mm-hmm. And that was it. The majority of those carries were – were held pretty much in check.
0: Right. I mean, you're absolutely right. I think I think they had two runs of over 40 yards, but then their other carries they didn't even get over 100 yards with those like remaining 20 plus carries. So, so th- th- with this defense, there's always the potential for this. But I think limiting Kentucky in the passing game, putting the game into Will Levis's hands, that's the that's the strategy for Mississippi State. And honestly, it's sort of what they've done all year. It didn't work against LSU. They put the game into Max Johnson's hands and he was able to, to win it. They did put against AM, they put it into Max Cal, or to uh, sorry, Nate Calzada's hands, and he was able he was not able to do it. I think it'll Zach. be the same. Zach. Zach Nate It doesn't it matter. doesn't matter what his name is. <laughs> He's a Jabroni. He's a Jabroni. He's a curtain jerker. He's a ham and egger. <laughs> anyway. So I agree with your 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 point offensively, this is where the, the, the challenge is. This is a very good Kentucky defense, which is sort of crazy. And as you're going to hear, and we have an interview just a little bit with uh, John Hale from the Courier-Journal. They lost a ton of starters. Normally when Kentucky is a team that loses a bunch of starters, it's a tough road back. And that's a credit to Mark Stoops and the way he's recruited and the depth that he's been able to put together uh, there. This is a team that gives up uh, about 320 yards total per game. They're, they're very good. Uh, you know they're obviously living in the shadow of Georgia over there uh, in the SEC East, but this is a very good defense. They dominated LSU. Uh, they they really did well against Florida, uh, a Florida team that you
2: thought had some momentum at that point. Um, they remind me a lot of Mississippi State as a program.
0: Well, th- these programs are sort of mirrors of each other. Yeah, uh, and and in in more ways than one. And th- and what I mean by that is Kentucky number one thing is basketball,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and
0: for a lot of MSU fans, number one thing is baseball.
2: So you have that, and the defensive guys. Yeah. You know they, they've they've always seemed to develop mm-hmm. really good athletes mm-hmm. that might not have been high, highly rated recruits. Right. right. And they you know what, every now, now and, and then look look, guess. And, and they always have you know a, a really good defensive lineman or linebacker. Mississippi mm-hmm. State always seem to have that. Mm-hmm. And then you know until now, ball. until now, where Mississippi State's become a right. air raid offense. Their offense kind of mirrored what Mississippi They could run State the ball. Yeah.
0: yeah, no, you're, you're not wrong. There's, a, there's a, lot. and that's why this game has always been so important through the years. I always said for Mullen, one of the, one of the keys for him was that you would look at the schedule and you say, okay, he's winning all of his non-conference games and he's beating Kentucky. You are five-sixths of the way to a bowl before you play the first game. Yeah. You know what was Mullen against Kentucky? I think he was eight
2: and one. He lost one game, and that was 2016. the Peter Sermon game.
0: Yeah. Um. So for for, for Mississippi State, part of being a successful program is being able to beat Kentucky consistently year in, year out. So for this game, you know, obviously I feel like Will Rogers will get his yards. That has become a thing. I mean he had three hundred plus yards against Alabama. It's you know, where are the yards coming from? Where are they, you know, in the game? And most importantly, I think as we learned last Saturday, what are you doing in the red zone? Yeah, You know, state has got to be efficient in the red zone. If they can do that, they're going to win this football game. If they if you tell me if you know, we play the pick the stat game, I say I want to I want a red zone performance. If states four of five, five of six, they probably won the game. If they're two of five, or you know, two of five with a field goal, it's I think tough. they
2: need to get some touchdowns. They have to get touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. Big because we've said, if, if they if they're four or five and three of them are field goals Oh, that's no good. No, I'm talking about four good. or five touchdowns, yeah. Yeah, no that would be they'd be in shape with that. And
0: what, and the reason for that is Robbie and we've talked about before is you sort of know with this offense you're not getting a 40-yard touchdown out of them. Yeah. The touchdowns have to come in the red zone. Cuz the way the offense runs. So it's got to be that way. And then I think, you know, with with the way this team can run the football, you, I'm not saying, you know, I said last, or I think I said on Monday, that State can overcome turnovers when they're good in the red zone. That doesn't mean you just need to start giving the ball away. Rodgers does have five picks in his last two games. Should have six. Yeah. This would be a good game to clean all of that up for him. And then Kentucky, you know, they can get after the quarterback. They can play coverage. They're a very balanced defense. They can do a lot of good things. So State's got to find a couple of weak points and try to exploit those as much as they can. Um, they need to be able to, early in the game, identify, you know, is it going to be the slot receivers that are open? Are we, can we have something out on the perimeter to work with? Or is there even anything in the running game? I don't know where that weak spot's going to be for Kentucky because they haven't shown it on film. You know, you watch them and they're very solid. They're obviously very well coached. But, yes, and I, this sort of feels like it's repetitive. I mean, offense has been the issue for this team all year. State has been good enough defensively in every game outside of Alabama 2 of 1. Mm-hmm. You know, if it was if you based it off defensive performances, this team would be uh what 5 and 1. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Yeah, 5 and 1. No, 6 and 1. Instead, they're 4 and 3. This is a huge game. And you know, we talked a little bit about it on Monday, but this is this is the game that really, you know, you can you can wrap up your bowl bid here and then you can sort of play pressure free the rest of the way. And I think if you go to Arkansas and you've got two wins in a row in your back pocket against an Arkansas team that's kind of one-dimensional, you'll feel really good about yourself. But if you go up there and you feel like you're pressing, that's going to be a problem. Uh, you know, especially against, you know, looking ahead, Arkansas, talking about a team that's going to be comfortable staying in zone the whole night, Barry Odom is the king of that. But Stoops was very good. I don't expect them to come out of zone very much in this game. I expect Stoops to sort of stay with that drop, drop eight, drop seven kind of mentality.
2: Yeah, I don't think they're talented enough to run man to man and feel comfortable. I mean, you can do that if you're Alabama. No, I think they're
0: just going to look at last year and say yeah. if we were successful. We should stick with that.
2: If you're if you're smart, you just say in the zone scheme. Yeah, because the minute somebody switches to man, Mississippi State picks it apart. It happens all the time. So unless you're Alabama or someone of the like, Georgia, you're not running a whole lot of man concepts in this game.
0: Just looking at the. Updated odds to win the SEC. Alabama is twenty-one to twenty. I've never seen it put that way before.
2: Yeah, so that's you bet twenty.
0: You have to bet twenty to win twenty-one. Okay, that's kind of weird. Georgia's five to seven. Just for the record, Ole Miss twenty-five to one.
2: No, oh. eh, well, it is what it is. Um, Alabama's got to lose again, correct, for Ole Miss to win the West. And Ole Miss has to win out.
0: Almost would have to win out, and Alabama would have to lose another game.
2: Then they're not losing to who else is on their schedule that's
0: that they could still lose to.
2: Yeah, um, they don't play Georgia, right? They
0: still have LSU, Arkansas, uh, Auburn is probably the best. Auburn, Auburn Cause that is that game you never know, you never know about they, that. Ha- game. They should have one more uh, SEC game if they play both their East teams. They play yeah, Florida, they must have a non conference game somewhere.
2: That yeah, they, they play they play
0: somebody They play somebody week the last the second to last weekend or the,
2: the the week that state plays Tennessee State.
0: We do have a, a device that could tell us this. The
2: week state plays Tennessee State is a awful week. Oh, it's it's of so football. bad.
0: Okay, so oh it's not that week though. It's the week of uh it's the week it's, the week, it's next weekend. Or two weekends from now, I'm sorry. So Alabama has L, or, sorry, Alabama's off this weekend. Then they have L S U New Mexico State.
2: Ugh. Oh man,
0: oh. that game will get a line too because that's not an FCS team. Yeah. Then they have Arkansas and then Auburn, and that game is at Auburn. So yeah,
2: that's that we'll could see. be interesting. That'd be an interesting game.
0: Can you imagine? I mean, that, there'd be pressure if if Ole Miss wins out, which would mean winning the Egg Bowl. Alabama would know ahead of time because it's on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we'll see. I don't think it's going to be the case um, for Mississippi State in this game. I know we're going to talk about playmakers and everything, but. You know, we we say the offense is the most important part here. Is it just about Will Rogers, or is there a player that you think needs to have a big game here that that would sort of seal things up for Mississippi State?
2: No, I mean, I think I think a lot of Mississippi State's offense, almost all of it, is is contingent on Will Rogers' decision making and and executing. Uh, now you still have to have your offensive line be cohesive and and block, uh, but the wide receivers have been pretty solid this year. I mean. I can't point to many glaring mistakes from that group right now i mean they're they're pretty they're pretty tight um you gotta be better on the right side of the offensive line. no doubt that that's that area has plagued you several times this year with Dollar bill and Scott Lashley. Those guys have to be have to be pretty good because you know that Kentucky's gonna bring some pressure somewhere. They've done it in the past, and they've uh, they've wrecked havoc on state's offensive line. Now there's no Josh. Uh, what was his name? Allen. Allen. Just Josh Allen. Yeah. Okay. Like the quarterback. Yes. Okay. Uh, there's nobody like that out there. There is no Bud Dupree. Uh, there's nobody on that line that is like those players. But they're still going to be really good. Uh, those is Z- Smith or anybody like that. So uh, I I expect some pressure. Coming from from spots, some exotic pressures possibly. Uh, the offensive line has to be good and have to give Will Rogers time, which they've done for the most part all season. But I, I just think this offense needs to execute at a high level. Don't give the ball away uh, like you have the last two weeks. You could you could overcome that against Vanderbilt. This is a game that it could get you beat. Kentucky is is much, much better than Vanderbilt, and they're good enough to, to beat you at your place if you're giving them opportunities. I agree.
0: I agree with you. All right, let's move on into the second half of the show. That's brought to you by our good friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council. Nothing beats the sizzle of beef on the grill. You want to enjoy some soon. Maybe this weekend when you're tailgating in the junction or just cooking out watching the games at home. All sorts of cuts of lean beef, and they are loaded with vitamins and nutrients that you need B vitamins, zinc, iron, and of course, great protein. 15,000 beef producers in our state. That's a huge part of our state's agriculture business, nearly a half billion dollars a year in cattle production. You need to, when you head to the grocery store, make sure you're putting beef in your shopping cart. Look, go to msbeef.org to find out a lot more about the beef industry in our state. And, to get great recipes for a lot of winter dishes. I mean, it's that time of year for soups, for stews, for chili. They've got you taken care of there at msbeef.org. Beef, it's what's for dinner, thanks to the Mississippi Beef Council. We just got back from a fantastic lunch at Two Brothers.
2: Yes, we did.
0: And it, I mean, it was good.
2: Is it's, it ever not fantastic? Okay, you got a point there,
0: but t- maybe it's because of the company. We were with those corporate stooges, Logan Lowry and Joel Patterson. Patterson and Briscoe over there. (laughs) But great to see those guys, and great to get together at Two Brothers. This weekend when you're in Starkville, or anytime you're in Starkville, put Two Brothers on your list. The food's great, the people are great, and what a location right there in the heart of the Cotton District. If you want to eat good and have a good time doing it, Put Two Brothers on the list. Smoked Southern Soul Food. That's what Two Brothers Smoked Meats is all about. Advantage Business Systems has a two-way plan to take care of your business. They're going to offer you an incredible selection of products and services, everything a business needs to thrive from a technological standpoint. And they back every sale they make up with the kind of customer service you come to expect from your next-door neighbor, which is what Advantage Business Systems is. They are your next-door neighbors. They've been working with Mississippians like you for 46 years. Call them today. Find out how they can help you. That number is 601-362-9192, or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. Let's go to our interview. I talked earlier today with friend of the program, John Hale, of the Louisville Courier-Journal, and here's his thoughts on this upcoming game and on the Kentucky Wildcats. Joining me now at this time, we've had him on the show many, many times. I am sure he is still basking in the glow of that 5-0 win at Old Trafford on Sunday. John Hale from the Louisville Courier, Jr. Your boys looked very impressive uh, on Sunday uh, Sunday afternoon.
1: Yeah, funny story. My wife is actually a big Manchester United fan. <laughs> she got to do it before I did, so uh, I can't uh, – that one's actually my fault that we're on opposite sides there. But we were actually on vacation last week um, during Kentucky's bye week and we're driving back home on Sunday. And normally those Liverpool Manchester United games are a little tense in our house. So we decided to just follow it on the road. She was driving at the time I was giving updates throughout and she was not enjoying them, but I was, uh, it made that drive home a lot, a lot more pleasant.
0: Fantastic. That's, that's, that's a tough house divided there. We'll see how it goes for you. Good, good luck with that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, I have labeled Kentucky and Mississippi State as, as opposite teams. I think that State is the good-bad team, the team that's good enough to hang around in a lot of games, but when they got to make a play to win, they can't do it. Whereas Kentucky is the bad-good team. They're not overly impressive, but they just keep winning games. Do you agree with my assessments of these two teams?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably fair. I mean, obviously, you know, Mississippi State a lot better than I do in terms of what their issues have been this year. But on the Kentucky side of things, um, I, don't, I don't think there's any question that they've had some performances that were not overly impressive and managed to escape with wins. You know, think Chattanooga, um, South Carolina, maybe even Missouri. The other side of it, though, is I think that their defense is legitimately a top-20 kind of defense in the country. It's just a matter of how quickly the offense comes around. There had been signs that they were uh, molding into form, that LSU performance was their best of the season. Uh, so you would hope, if you're a Kentucky fan, that maybe as they learn this new system, they become more familiar uh, that they're showing improvements there. Then they go play Georgia, and that's a buzzsaw against basically any offense that uh, in the country that's not going to look great against the Bulldogs. So we'll see if that was a sign of Kentucky coming back to earth or if that was just kind of a one-off because of how how good Georgia is. But there's no doubt that in those close games, even when they haven't necessarily played great overall, they've made the plays you need down the stretch to win, which is not something you can say about Kentucky football very often in its history.
0: Let's talk about that defense because a season ago, absolutely manhandled Mississippi State. Uh, Didn't give up any points. Uh, the only you know it was a twenty four to two so obviously a safety there, uh, forced a, a bunch of turnovers turned those into points maybe maybe the worst performance of the Mike Leach era here at, at Mississippi State. What about this season? Yeah, I, I, you can tell State is better offensively, although they're not quite I think humming along by any stretch of the imagination. This Kentucky defense though, it looks like it's improved as well.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. They lost five guys uh, from last year's defense to the NFL draft. And for basically all of Kentucky football history, you lose five NFL draft picks. On one side of the ball, you're going to take a significant step back. But they've actually been able to plug in most of those holes with guys who are even higher-ranked recruits coming out of high school than the players they were replacing. Um, the transfer portal was huge for them. Uh, they got Jacquez Jones from Ole Miss. To really, you know, solidify the middle of the defense at middle linebacker there, that was a huge question mark because they'd had so many injuries and they lost Jamin Davis a year early to the draft with that position from last year. Uh, the super senior rule has helped them get some guys back who were, you know, could have gone after last year but decided to to spend another season in college proving to NFL scouts that, you know, they could play at that level. That's been helpful. But they've got some promising young players too. Now the question is as the you get into the second half of the season and injuries start to pile up, how much of an impact is that going to have on them? Marquand McCall, their senior nose guard who's such an important part of their run defense has missed the last two games it's possible he comes back this week but i think that you know best case scenario is probably he's he's ready to play next week They've got two guy, two sophomores who are replacing him. One is a five star recruit, Justin Rogers, the highest ranked recruit they've signed at Kentucky since you know the recruiting site era started, and the other guy is a, a four star recruit from the deep south in, in Josiah Hayes, who was recruited by Ole Miss and uh, all these you know SEC powers. So to be able to plug in those holes in a way that Kentucky just doesn't usually have that depth has been pretty impressive. But they also lost. Octavius Oxendine, they're starting defensive tackle for the season with a knee injury. Uh, some other guys banged up throughout that um, Georgia game, and Mark Stoops was was not forthcoming at all yesterday with his injury updates. So we'll see what they look like when they get on the field in Starkville this weekend. But overall, I think that the defense and the performance there is, is a real sign of the, the program Mark Stoops has built in terms of being able to plug guys into holes that maybe you're not used to Kentucky being able to do. And you mentioned the, the the success in the transfer portal
0: uh, defensively. Obviously, offensively, that's been the case, too. Let's talk about Will Levis. I, I, he's been very steady this year and has made some big plays, but is there another level to his game? Can, can he be a guy that just goes out and wins the football game?
1: I think it's possible. Um, obviously, he wasn't that guy against Georgia, and, and the game plan was pretty conservative, I think, in terms of they have the ability in this offense and maybe the biggest difference – in the new offense and what they were running the last four or five years is they still have that power run game that has been pretty successful outside of the Georgia game. But now they also have the ability to get the ball down the field and hit some big plays with Levis because arm strength is his real, his real plus as a passer. And they just didn't have that uh, ability the last three or four years. It was basically run or nothing else. The problem has been defenses uh, as the season have gone along, have, have played you know two deep safeties and tried to force Kentucky to go underneath. They were able to do that some the last two weeks. Uh, obviously, against LSU, he didn't put up huge passing numbers, but he had five overall touchdowns between throwing and, and passing with a lot of you know, dink and dunk stuff and you know getting the ball to Wondell Robinson, the transfer wide receiver from Nebraska, who's basically their only consistent weapon at wide receiver in space and just letting him do his thing. They throw it to the running backs a lot. They're getting their tight ends more involved. I think that that's the area that maybe he can still take a step forward. It's important to remember, too, he is not one of those transfers who was here for spring. I mean, he finished his degree at Penn State in the spring, did not get to Kentucky until, you know, just before preseason camp. So he only had a month in this offense of practice uh, before he, the season started. So I think it's it's logical to expect he's going to get better. He's going to get more comfortable. But there's still real limitations at that receiver position for Kentucky on the roster, and until they have more weapons for him to throw to, it's going to be a team that relies heavily on the run game and, uh, and you know one or two things they're really good at in the passing game.
0: And that sort of feels like a strength-on-strength strength kind of thing because Mississippi State has been one of the best defenses uh, all all season long uh, against the run. Chris Rodriguez, you mentioned him, one of my favorite players in the SEC. It's just an under-the-radar, underrated guy. He's on pace to rush for about 1,300 yards this year and, and score double-digit touchdowns. Who do you think has the advantage when it comes to Kentucky's running game versus Mississippi State's rush defense?
1: Yeah, I mean, two weeks ago, I would have said that Kentucky can just, that's just who they are. They can run the ball against basically anybody. And then Georgia, which, you know, might have a defense that's, you know, a generational kind of defense. Might be a little yeah, bit of an outlier there. <laughs> yeah, it just shut them down completely. So I don't know what to make of it. I mean, Chris Rodriguez is still the S. Well, I haven't checked after this weekend's games when Kentucky was off, but heading into the bye week, he was the SEC's leading rusher despite rushing for like 14 yards against Georgia. He had a 100 plus yard lead going into that game. Uh, So now it's a question of uh, can they bounce back? Can they prove that that's still their bread and and butter? I mean, Mississippi State's really good at at that kind of thing on defense, too. It's going to be a challenge. Uh, I think the, the problem, the factor that gives me, makes me think Kentucky might still have an edge is it's not just Chris Rodriguez. I mean, he's the powerful guy. He runs through tackles. And, Uh, is is a really hard guy to bring down. He seems to get better as the game goes along, but they've got other guys there. Cavassier, Smoke, who's a a real fast burner. He can hit the home run, and then Levis has made a lot of plays the last three or four weeks with his legs himself, and so when you add that quarterback run game in there, it opens things up for everybody else. I mean, I I don't expect this to be a game like um, the Missouri game was earlier in the year when Kentucky rushed for 300 plus yards by any means, but I think that they can probably run enough uh, to feel good about their offensive game plan.
0: Wondell Robinson, another hit in the transfer portal for, for Kentucky has been the dominant receiver for the Wildcats this year. He has 49 catches. The next guy on the list has 17 state with two really good cornerbacks in Martin Emerson and Emmanuel Forbes. I imagine one of them will be matched up with him. If they can do a good job of slowing him down, does Kentucky have faith in his other guys uh, to make plays? <laughs> no, that's the easy
1: <laughs> answer. Um, it's interesting, though, because that has been the narrative all year that the, the passing game has been so one-dimensional in terms of, I mean, Robinson, you mentioned his catch number, but his, he has like two-thirds of their targets, too. I mean, they, they th- it's not out of the ordinary to throw it to him 15 times a game and throw it to yeah, another – the second leading receiver have like two or three targets. And so uh, it's just a matter of we've thought – throughout the year that defenses are going to try and take him away and they're going to double him more. But you know, the reality is that most college defenses, that's just not something they're really capable of doing. So maybe it hasn't happened as much as, uh, as we thought it was going to. I do think one of the strengths of this offense that their coordinator, Liam Cohen brought from the Rams and the NFL is the ability to, to find ways to get their best players, the ball in space. So Robinson is going to get his this weekend. I think it's just a matter of if, if Mississippi State can limit him to under, you know, seventy-five yards or whatever, uh, all-purpose yards, then it's going to be a real struggle for Kentucky because Josh Ali, their number two receiver, has also missed the last two games with injury. He might be back this weekend, but he's probably not going to be a hundred percent. And but. Beyond those two guys, there's just nothing proven at the wide receiver position. You know, a guy like Isaiah Epps has shown a flash or two. A guy like Demarcus Harris, he had a couple of nice catches against Georgia, but has overall just been disappointing in his career. I mean, Mark Stoops and and their recruiting coordinator keep talking all season about needing to go out and sign more wide receivers. That tells you what message they're sending to the guys on the roster. The hope there. Is that they do have some talented tight ends in Justin Rigg, Brendan Bates, Isaiah Cummings. Cummings also injured, so we'll see if he plays. Uh, and they and the running backs have been getting more involved in the passing game. So that's a way that maybe they can take some of the focus off of Robinson. But no team that plays Kentucky is going to have any illusions that they're going to throw it to anybody but Wandell. Every week when we uh, we
0: preview the game on our Friday podcast, we 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 predict a guy we call the X factors. You know, sort of away from the star players, but somebody you think could make a play or two in this game that impacts it. Offense, defense,
1: special teams, whatever. Give me an X factor in this game for Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, I think the guy that for Kentucky who does not get enough attention is Josh Paschal, their defensive end. Um, He has just been in the backfield all season. And and even though – I mean, he's a lineman, so he's not going to put up huge numbers that are going to jump off the page. But he's up there in in the SEC and tackles for loss. He gets the quarterback pretty regularly – uh, Kentucky needs to improve their pass rush. And with so many other questions on the line at the other two sh- spots in that 3-4 base defense, they need him to play like an all-SEC caliber player, which, which he definitely is. Um, so if he can create some havoc, if he can you know, get in the backfield, put some pressure on the quarterbacks, help out the rest of the defense, I, I think that keeps the game in a scoring range that you feel good about Kentucky's own offense being able to handle things. Because if it gets in a shootout, we haven't really seen proof from Kentucky yet offensively that they can win that kind of game against a quality opponent. And certainly with their struggles in Starkville, that adds a whole nother level to it. So uh, I I think he's a really important player for the defense and the team as a whole. I agree.
0: All right, John, uh, John Hale. Thanks so much for your time man. always appreciate you guys. uh, You coming on the uh, the podcast and uh, we'll see you this weekend in Starkville.
1: Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Thanks to John for his time. Be good to see him this weekend. And uh, good stuff on the uh, Kentucky Wildcats, a lot of good information there. Before we get out of here today, we would be remiss not to uh, give our thoughts and prayers to the family of Coach Joe Lee Dunn, a legend here in the state of Mississippi and at Mississippi State, uh, the architect of some of the most ferocious defenses to ever come across a field on, of college football. A man who coached two number 1 ranked defenses in the state, one at Ole Miss and one at Mississippi State. That's how good that guy was, by the way. He yeah. coaxed a number 1 defense out of Ole Miss. I mean, it's been a long time since you've seen anything like that. Uh, of course, that 1999 defense is still the stuff of legend here at Mississippi State. So many outstanding players. Jolie Dunn's sort of the Mike Leach of defensive coordinators. This is his way. I'm doing it my way. Not a lot of terminology. Not a lot of you know, not a not a big old play sheet. And I'm coming after you full speed ahead every play.
2: Yeah, he was not gonna budge on his thing. Mm-hmm. Never wore a headset.
0: Never, wore, Never socks. wore
2: socks. Didn't really like long pants either. Uh you know, it'd be forty degrees outside and he's wearing shorts, khaki shorts. But, I don't think you know,
0: he, he very rarely wore a jacket on the sidelines. Too. No.
2: I mean, he's just an, your typical old-school football coach, the innovator of a 3-3-5 defense, which Mississippi State has brought back to life here mm-hmm. with Zach Arnett. And you see so much of that defense in what Zach Arnett runs. And Zach Arnett will tell you that Joey Dunn is like a, a hero of his. He's, he's you know, obviously Rocky Long is his mentor, but Rocky Long and Joey Dunn go hand-in-hand, hand. Those those two – have some of the same concepts. It's just you know you and I grew. You're a little. You're a lot older than me, uh, but uh-huh. yeah. But w- my childhood was the MS, interlocking MSU, the Dog Pound Rock, Jolie Dunn, Fred Smoot, Ashley Cooper, Tim Nelson, all those guys. And when I think of those teams and think of those great moments that I witnessed as a kid, when I fell in love with Mississippi State as a kid. Jolie Dunn's right there. He's right there in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Seeing him roam up and down the sidelines, You know that that picture you tweeted last night of Jolie and Jackie embracing, I mean, those two were – were they just had a bond that you couldn't explain. And, you know, that team, that program under Jackie Sherrill is not what it is without Jolie Dunn. Agreed. Mississippi State being what it is is a defensive – it's known as a defensive – culture. Mm-hmm. It's, not, started. it's not that without Jolie Dunn.
0: Well I I remember, you know, the ninety five season where State was so bad defensively. They lost, I think, 65-39 yeah. to South Carolina. And there was the rumor started in like late October of they're gonna go get Jolie Dunn and he'll fix this. And he fixed it within a few a few months later. You know, a year later, they're beating Alabama. Yeah. And you know they go to Ole Miss and shut them out in Oxford. And then you had that great run from ninety seven to two thousand and Jolie Dunn was a massive piece, of, maybe the biggest piece of that. To be totally honest with you, so. and I, I,
2: I remember some of those games. I remember the Arkansas game in '98 when they when they got into position to to clinch the SEC West. Mm-hmm. And I remember like one play was like to the tight end where the quarterback just dropped back and immediately just dropped it in the air, mm-hmm. and the guy had no one with because he sent yeah. everybody. Yeah, those same plays are kind of happening now with Mississippi yeah. State's defense but they're they're few and far between, I mean that defense was just like a like a python just wrapping around the quarterback and just suffocating him. I mean it was fun to watch, yeah, and um so many great characters on that team and Jolie Dunn is a big reason why those guys are in, imprinted into your brain if you're a Mississippi state fan during that time absolutely uh, so. so best wishes to his family yeah. um I know players out there are, are upset um they they've feel like they've lost a father figure. But Jolie Dunn, you've seen it from all these different fan bases. I mean, I think Arkansas, South Carolina, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, he made his impact every single place that he went. And it wasn't just Mississippi State that uh, got got a chance to enjoy him. So uh, great coach, great person, and he's definitely going to be missed.
0: Absolutely. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with Friday's podcast and the three Ps. We'll talk to you then for Robbie Falk. I'm Brian Hayat, Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Supertalk Mississippi. A Supertalk Mississippi media production.